We are in a series called On the Real. Everybody say On the Real. Oh, you can do better than that. Say On the Real. And uh, the premise of this whole series is being real. The, and, and looking through the Holy Scriptures and, um, and learning about these great men and women of God, these his, historical figures in our Bible, and how God used them, and how God transformed the world through these folks is unbelievable. But at the same time, the beauty of God that he does not hold out or hide away that they all had issues. <laughs> Every one of them have issues. In fact, our 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 is our key verse for the entire series. If you look at that with me for just a moment. It says, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Everybody ought to stop right there and say, thank you, Jesus. Because he chose me, you and me, the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. There are no superheroes in Christianity. There's Jesus. And we are all just beautiful, broken people that he uses to do amazing things. Isn't that good? Say yes. Doesn't that give you a little bit of hope that if God can take a broken person like Moses and Noah and change the world, that he can take somebody like you and me and change the world? Aren't you glad about that? Say yes. I'll never forget early on after I'd become a Christian and I looked at our pastors at our church like they are so close to God. Like, they must, like, every day pray for, like, 12 hours without stopping. They must, they must wake up and their clothes levitate and just kind of wrap around them. That's literally, I thought, they have never had a dirty thought. They've never been mean. They're the most godly people until I visited one of them at their house. And that's when I realized, whoa, you got issues, bro, and you're the pastor. And that's the beauty of our God is that he takes the weak to confound the wise. He takes the broken. He takes those with issues to do great things for his kingdom. And so in this series, we've gone through and we've looked at Moses and we looked at Noah. And as the pastors, as we were preparing this series and just studying the word of God, and we're like, well, we can't just use all men. We have to show some of the women in the Bible and their issues. But I, we searched and we searched, and we could not find hardly any women in the Bible with issues. Isn't that something? It's amazing. <laughs> Online, you can hear the ladies clapping. The guys are like, that ain't true. That's a law. That's a law. <laughs> From Louisiana, that's a law. So we did come up with one, and her name is Sarah. Everybody say Sarah. <laughs> so we'll take a moment. We'll just look kind of at the life of Sarah. Now, Sarah is the wife of Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. And, uh, and they are the OG Jews. They are the original Jews. Uh, God actually, um, as you remember, we studied Noah's life and we studied how God destroyed the entire earth in a flood. And then from there, Noah and his family, he told them to repopulate the earth, if you will. And remember, I was telling you that's how foolish and ignorant it is to think that someone who doesn't look like you uh, is, or maybe a little different cultural uh, you know, way of doing things in you, that you can't like them because they're different from you. Hey, dummy, we all came from Noah, all right? So that's your great, 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 great cousin, all right? So you just need to even know all that. We're all family in this whole thing, which I think is hilarious that people can't get that. And so we realize that God then used Noah, his sons, their wives, to repopulate the earth. So you... But 
fast forward from that moment and repopulation's happening hundreds of years later and God looks down and he goes, man, they're all back to serving false gods and hardly any of them love me. And he found this guy, Abraham, and his wife, Sarah, and he called them out and he said, listen, I want to make a covenant with you. I want to do something so supernatural. I want to create a people that will be dedicated to me. I realize that everybody else is going to do their thing, but I need a people that will be my best friends, that will be, if you will, my sons and daughters, and then they can show my goodness, how good I treat them. They can show that to the world, and the world will say, oh, we want, we want God, and they'll turn back to me as they see how good our relationship is. And so he started this relational line with, uh, with uh, Abraham and his wife. Sarah. And so as we pick up Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, it says, the Lord said to Abram, because that was his name originally, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I'll show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse them. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. How many peoples of the earth? All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and Sarah. And he calls them out. And if God, God calls literally Abraham and Sarah the people of faith because they obey him. Drop them with me to Genesis chapter 17. We then see that God calls out uh, Sarah, and this is what he says. And then God said to Abraham, As for your wife, you must no longer call her Sarai. Sarah will be her name. I will bless her and I will give her a son through I will give a son through her. I will bless her and she will become a mother of nations. Kings of countries will come from her. How cool is that? He says, "Now listen, tell your wife that I'm going to bless her and that she will literally be the mama of the nations. Come on, somebody. How, about, how cool would that be, mama, to be the mama of the nations? And kings will come through her. Can you imagine if you're the mama of Obama? Can you imagine being the mama of kings and great people? You, I, I, Mamas, it, it's so fun to watch mamas talk about their kids. My boy, my boy finally graduated college. He's the greatest, Pastor Adam. He's so amazing. Mamas are proud of their kids. Can you imagine if God told you, mamas, that your kids would all be kings and people in authority and rulers. Come on, wouldn't that be powerful? And this is the word that God gives her, that she will be uh, the woman. She will be the mama of nations. In fact, her name, Sarai, her original name means my princess. When he had her change it to Sarah, it means the princess of the nations, the princess of clans, the princess of people groups. Come on, now you got to. We had a lady in our church, her name was Princess, and I always told her, I said, Your mama, I tell your mom and daddy right now, they have spoiled you from the moment of go. Because you think you're the princess. You walk up in our church, like, I'm the princess. And I'm like, You ain't the princess, by the way, but you are a princess. Anyway, and she was so sweet. We had such a good time with her. And God literally, if He calls, Abraham, the father of faith, guess what Sarah is? She's the mother of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 11. Sarah too had faith. And because of this, she was able to become a mother in spite of her old age. For she realized that God, who gave her this promise, would certainly do what he said. So we see in Hebrews 11, 11 she is called the woman of faith. A woman of faith. Everybody say faith. So what is she? She's a woman of faith. She's a woman that knows God. She trusts God. She's a woman of faith. So guess what her issue is? Unbelief. <laughs> she, 
All right. He's like, how can that be? She is called the woman of faith, the mother of faith. Abraham's the father of faith. She's the mother of faith. She's the mother of faith, but guess what her issue is? Unbelief, and she's got trust issues. And the beauty of this whole process is that no matter what your issue is, it can become your strength. Come on, somebody. What has been your stumbling block can be your stepping stone. What has been your weakness can become your strength. And so we have this privilege in the book of Genesis to watch this woman struggle with her faith. Now, I know none of you have ever struggled with your faith. I know none of you have struggled to trust God. But poor Sarah had to learn to fight through the mistrust, had to learn to fight through the unbelief so that she could go down in history as the mother of faith. Can I help you with something? You may not be perfect. You may not have it all figured out right now, but keep struggling through because one day that thing that has tripped you up will be the thing that you stand on platforms and say, God does this in lives of imperfect people. And what was your weakness will be your strength. What has been your downfall will be your propagation to the world that they'll say, that's what it looks like to be a real Christian because you and I walk through it. I am so proud of how God laid this out in the Holy Scriptures that the people of God, the ones who did great things for God, also had issues. And Sarah's issue was an issue of unbelief and trust. I love that God says, you know what? She is the woman of faith. She is the woman that nations will come from even though her and her own abilities and her own weaknesses could not believe it, could not walk in it, and she had to learn and grow in her trust. Turn to the person next to you and say, grow in your trust. You can do better than that. Say, grow in trust. Now, I know you've never had moments where you've struggled to trust the Lord, but Adam and Jamie have. I, I can remember years, and I've told you the story over and over again, but it's mine, so I can tell it again. There was that moment when our third baby died in the womb. And, and I had to take his little body in a Ziploc, and, and I put Jamie in bed, and she was just, I mean, it just was devastating. It's like, where is this God that we serve? And I went out in our backyard about 1 o'clock in the morning. We had a little two-acre lot. And I went out in my backyard about 1 o'clock in the morning, and I stood there and shouted as loud as I could. And I told him, I'm done. I'm done. You came into my life when I was a teenager. And I served you with all my heart. While all the other young people were going out having sex, doing drugs, I stayed faithful to you. I quit college to go to Bible school because you told me to. And I went into the ministry, which is not worth a dime. And I gave everything to you. And all I asked for is that you would not let my babies die. My wife can't take it. I can't take it. That's it. I quit. I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. Never going to be a minister again. I quit right now. Unemployed. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stay a Christian because I don't want to go to hell. And I'm going to keep tithing because I don't want to be broke. I understand those principles. But I'm done. I'm not helping anybody. If you won't help me, I'm not helping you. How can you be the God who cares and you let this happen? And I'll never forget what he did. God is so gracious. He whispered a name to me. Phil Long. And I dropped to my knees in my backyard and just started weeping uncontrollably. See, Phil had been my good friend. And Phil... Married a gal who had graduated with me, and uh, they went to the mission field. They sold everything as a young couple, just went to the mission field in Africa and, uh, and gave themselves. And, 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 and first year of marriage, went to the mission field, got pregnant on the mission field, and had a son. And Phil named his son Will. 
And uh, they were out there. And when you first start ministry overseas, especially, it takes a while to get going and get traction. And about four years into it, they're really starting to get traction. They're really starting to help people. Their missions are starting to take off. People are getting behind them. And they started noticing that little Will now, three, four years old, is walking funny. And so you got to understand, in those days, you couldn't FaceTime or anything like that. So they videotaped him because the doctors in Africa, where they were at, out in the bush, couldn't help him. They videoed, sent it back to the United States, and the doctors in the United States said, get him home, get him home now. They left everything, they flew back, they ran tests on this little boy. They come to find out that he had some kind of degenerative disease. His brain would send signals to the rest of his body, but the signals were getting lost. So his brain would say, move your hand, and it would get lost, and he wouldn't move his hand. And the doctors told him, there's nothing we can do about it. And so we kept him there at the church. We kind of put him on staff just to help a little bit around, but just try to help him. They, left, they, they abandoned their ministry in Africa. And for the next six, nine months, we watched as that little boy first, his little legs stopped working. And then his little arms. Then his little ears. Then his kidneys. And I'll never forget, he's standing in worship. Phil's standing in worship next to me. We're a couple rows back. And we're worshiping. And I'm the youth minister. And I'm standing there with him on a Sunday morning. And he's got his wife on this side and his baby, baby in his hands this side. And, and I'm on the other side. And we're worshiping. And all of a sudden, he hits me with his elbow. And he goes, guess what? I said, what? He goes, I'm God's favorite. I said, what? I just, it just rocked me. Like, dude, how, who has faith like that? And then ultimately, his little heart stopped. And we buried that little boy there at our church. We had a little graveyard. And then... <clears throat> They didn't hesitate. They got back on an airplane, went back to Africa, and started trying to rebuild the mission that they had. And within months, they were pregnant again. And they found out it was going to be a little girl. And they were going to name, they named her Joy, because God gives me joy in the midst of my pain. And they gave birth to that little girl there in Africa, so she would have had dual citizenship. And she lived a week, and then she died unexpectedly. They don't even know what it was. I'll never forget it. As he wrote to me, he goes, I had to go chop down a tree. And then figure out how to make boards to make a casket for my newborn baby. And buried that baby in the soil of Africa. And here I am in the backyard complaining. I've got one live baby. And I'm mad at God because terrible things are happening to me. And God just, just whispered the name. Phil. Because I saw Phil walk. And I saw Shari walk in faith with God. Even though it seemed as all hell had broke loose against him. I want you to know something today. That every one of us are going to go through trials whether we believe God or trust God. Everything in this earth is going to cause us to want to doubt him, that he loves us, that he cares for us, that he's got our best interest in mind. And if nothing else you learn that in your time that you're with Hill City, learn to trust the Lord your God. Lean not onto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Who else are you going to trust in? Our government? Who else are you going to trust in? Your mama and your daddy, that spouse that's imperfect, I tell you, you better trust in the Lord and learn to trust. And it is a journey and it is a development. You have to learn to trust in the Lord. So for the next couple moments, I want to give you the three trust points that Sarah had to learn. And if you and I can learn them too, I promise you, we will be called fathers and mothers of faith we will be called by our grandkids and our great-grandkids that one my grandma my great-grandma my grandfather my great they were men of God that was a woman of God she trusted the Lord and all the things you can't believe what they went through but she never gave up on God she was a woman of faith and saw miracles every day are you with me today say yes so let me give you three trust points number one you've got to learn to trust 
his ability to protect you. You've got to learn to trust his ability to protect you and yours. That's a learning curve, especially for those of us that have grown up our whole life having to fight for ourselves, take care of ourselves. Nobody watched after us. No one took after us. No one took care of us. Friend, can I tell you something? He's a father to the fatherless. He will protect you. He will cause his angels to watch over you. You better learn to trust in his ability to protect you. The Bible says that the watchman on the wall is worthless. If you don't have God watching over the city, the watchman can't help you not even a little bit. If God doesn't watch after your children, you are wasting your time worrying and fretting when you send them off to school if God isn't watching over your marriage friend can I tell you something you're gonna live in such disarray and frustration you've got to put your hope in Christ that he will protect you and he will protect yours are you with me today say yes Sarah had multiple times that she had to learn this lesson because she was struggling with this whole concept that God can protect me and mine I'll give you this example in Genesis chapter 12 her and her husband they came into an area you remember we read that God moved them out of their homeland and as they were going into the area of Egypt her husband comes to her and says listen you know you so fine and I'm worried because you know all these people we don't know these people and they going I'm worried that they if they know that you're my wife they're going to kill me and take you cuz you're so fine <laughs> this is at 65 years of age if i could just add in come on ladies so genesis chapter 12 and verse 11 as he as he was near about to enter egypt he said to his wife sarai i know what a beautiful woman you are when the egyptians see you they will say this is his wife then they will kill me uh, uh, but will let you live Say that you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Now here's the problem. What she should have done in this moment is punch him in the face and say, have you lost your ever living mind? What she should have told him was, if the God who told you and me to leave our place of safety and called us into this place of difficulty, if he can, if he can call us away, can he not protect us in the middle of it? If, if, if he's going to get us out here on the ledge, do you not think he has the ability to protect us? But instead she said, okay. And so guess what happens? All the people go, back to Pharaoh of Egypt and says, there is a new woman in town. Oh my gosh, she's so fine. Pharaoh, you're going to want this one. So Pharaoh's like, stir it up, let's go. So he calls for her and they tell her and she goes, yes, I'm just his, he's not my husband, he's my brother. And Pharaoh's like, let's go. And Pharaoh marries her, marries her. And God strikes Pharaoh and his whole family with a skin disease. So I would imagine he goes to all his soothsayers and all this kind of stuff. He's like, why do I have disease? And they said, you know, the demons are telling us because you done mess with God's people. Because you done married a woman who's married to someone else. So he brings Abraham in and he says, what have y'all done? Look at all these boils I got. Look at all these sexually transmitted diseases I got. What have you done? And he goes, listen, I'm so sorry for lying to you, but it was a half-truth. Because she actually is my half-sister. Go back and study the passage. It's unbelievable. And I'm sure he's looking at Sarah like, have you, what have you done to me? Get out of my land. Kicks him out of the land. She gets consistent with lying and manipulating because of her fear of not being safe. I can't tell you how many Christians, 
How many men and women of God that I know that I love will get to manipulating, telling half-truths because they feel unsafe? Friend, if God can't protect you, nobody can protect you. If you don't trust in his ability to take care of you, then who are you going to trust in? Your God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. You're still with me? Say yes. If only that was the only moment. They do this at 65. How fine is this woman that the Pharaoh marries her at 65 years young? Fast forward a few more years, she's now 90. And they decide to move into another area. And again, stupid face comes to her and says, listen, let's be sure we tell them since it worked so well last time. Look at what fear does. See, when you're scared that you're not safe, when you're scared that something bad, I watched Christians lose their mind during COVID, lost their minds. So scared that they're going to die. They go get this. We're going to die. We're going to die. I'm never leaving my house. Like, like, listen, listen, I understand. Be safe. But if he can't protect you from COVID, then he can't protect you from anything. In the middle of the night, someone could break in your house and shoot you. And you can't stop that. You all, oh, you don't know how many bolt locks I got. You don't know how many nine millimeters are beside my bed pillow. Friend, can I tell you something? There, you don't have enough guns to stop an evil person from harming you. God is watching after you, and you better learn to trust that. Are you with me today? Say yes. So let me give you the second moment in Genesis chapter 2. It says in Abraham, they move into this other area. Now there's a king over this area named Abimelech. Abraham said to his wife, Sarah, she is my sister. And he said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gear, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream of the night and said to him, Behold, you a dead man. Can you imagine this man has had a dream and God says to him in a dream, You're a dead man walking. Like, what did I do? Because you've taken on someone else's wife who is my anointed one, who are the people of faith. <laughs> you, have, you have taken her. And Abimelech wakes up the next morning, calls Abraham, calls Sarah in and says, what have y'all done? Get out of my house. Get out of my life. Your fear is destroying everyone around you. Listen, can I tell you something? If you don't learn to trust the Lord your God, your fear will destroy your relationships. It'll destroy your family. It'll destroy. Listen, you can't walk in confidence and in fear. Either God is for you or he's against you. Either you're his son and daughter or you're not. Either he's watching after his own or he isn't. You and I have to come to the place where we trust that God is taking care of us and that he will protect us. Are you with me today? Say yes. Let me bring you to the second area of trust that they had to learn and you have to learn, that Sarah had to learn, and that is, number two, that his timing to fulfill purpose will happen. That his timing... You have to trust in his timing to fulfill the purpose in your life. Now, here's the problem. Most of us want it now. I want God's favor now. I want God's blessings now. I want to see this change now. I don't want to go through this. I want it now. Do you understand going through the difficulty is actually maturing you to the place you need to be anyway? 
We want to go around difficulty because why? Because we want safety. But can I tell you, safety is the enemy of the supernatural. Safety is the enemy of transformation. You have to go through things to be transformed. You have to, listen, you, you don't go to the hospital and they just, you know, walk around telling you nice things. They got to cut stuff out of you. They got to fix you. Come on, are you with me? God's got to take you through things. So his timing, his promises are always yes and amen. But he's got to take you through it. And so the timing of the fulfillment of the promises may not always be your timing. And you have to trust his timing. I got to trust that he's going to make this happen. He's going to make this happen in his time, not necessarily in my time. In Genesis chapter 16, verse 1, says, Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. Now she has a promise that she's going to be the mother of nations. But here she is. She's not able to have kids. She's not being able to born, give this man any children. Now, how are we going to be the people of faith? How are we going to be the mother and father of nations if I can't have kids? So somewhere at 75 years of age, she said, ah, I think God might have missed it. Well, he might not have missed it, but he might need my help. So at 75 years young, she comes to the conclusion that God does have a promise and he is going to fulfill it, but he doesn't really know how to do it, so he needs my help. So this is what she does. So, and that the Lord, where am I at? Yeah, verse 1, uh, had no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. She bought a lie. That's a lie. It's a lie. The Lord has kept me from having children. The Lord has kept me from enjoying my marriage. The Lord has kept this from me. The Lord has done this, and so now, therefore, I need to do this. That's a lie. God did not do that to you. God has not kept you from having children. God has a plan. Be faithful and trusting his timing on his plan. But she wants to, she wants to make it happen in her time. She's, she's getting nervous. She's a little insecure. So she's going to put her hands to this situation. So let me tell you what her bright idea is. Are you with me today? So she says to her husband, so go sleep with my maidservant and perhaps I can build a family through her. Now let me just help you guys that don't have a lot of Bible study in your life. This would be paramount to you coming home to your husband and say, looks, looks like I'm not going to be able to give you kids. But a gal at work seems to be pretty fertile. She's a good friend of mine. Here's what I'm thinking. How about y'all hook up and the baby that y'all have will be my baby? Now, first off, how stupid can you be? And number two, as if this woman's going to have a baby with your husband and let you have the baby. Like, this is not going to happen. But this is a 75-year young woman trying to fulfill God's purposes in her own strength because she doesn't like God's timing. She has a problem trusting the Lord's timing. If he said it, he will do it. If he said, his promises towards you and I are yes and amen. And I promise you, oh friend, I got two more beautiful children to prove, though the enemy may have stole those babies from the womb, that God 
said he would give Jamie and I a family, that he would give us sons and daughters. He fulfilled his promise. It just wasn't in my timing. And I had to overcome my fear that God wasn't performing what he said he was going to perform. And he wasn't protecting like he said he was going to protect. I had to overcome my fear and trust him and say, God, you're good even when life isn't good. God, I trust you. I put myself in your hands and I just sit back and I trust that you got this thing all figured out. I'm not going to try to do it in my own strength. I'm not going to try to make it happen by the arm of the flesh. I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to enjoy you and I'm going to be obedient with everything you tell me. And as I learn to do that, friend, I'm telling you, Adam and Jamie McCain are people of faith. We trust our God because we've been through some things. We've had some moments where we didn't trust him. We had some moments where we thought this can't be him and learned that it was him in the process of it. She has this moment where she can be the hero, but instead she becomes the zero. And she says, come take my maidservant and have sex with her and have a baby through her. And dummy says, okay. This is Abraham. Father Abraham. This is Abraham. This is the guy. This is the people who we have the faith covenant through. This, these, these, this is the OGs of the Jews. You understand your Bible is written by Jews, to Jews, for Jews, right? And we as non-Jews have been grafted into the kingdom of God. We've been grafted in. This whole thing starts with these two people. And Sarah has lost her ever-living mind at seven. You think by 75 you had a little bit of wisdom. So they have this kid. And then drop down to verse 4 of the same passage, Genesis 16. And it says this. It says, and when she knew she was pre pregnant, talking about Hagar, she began to despise her mistress. She began to despise Sarah. Then Sarah said to Abraham, <laughs> you are responsible for the wrong that I'm suffering. Have you ever noticed? After you made a stupid decision and have done some dumb things, how somehow it becomes everybody else's fault. I had a person tell me not so long ago, they said, Pastor, I just want to repent. I've been so angry at you. I said, oh my goodness, what did I do? They said, oh, nothing, nothing. Well, my life sucked, and you're the pastor, so it had to be your fault somehow. I said, well, there you go. There you go. It's amazing, and especially when I'm counseling people and trying to help people, that they'll blame it on everybody else, but you made that choice. You made that decision to do that. That's why you're here. Sarah, you were the dummy who said, hey, take my maidservant. Make a baby with her. Okay. And he did. And now this woman hates you and is causing strife in your life. And you thought you had some middle picture that it was going to be a whole new world. Brand fantastic baby, new baby that I'm going to hold and I'm going to love. And now I've done what God could not do. And look what you created. You created an Ishmael, which a lot of scholars talk about Ishmael and Isaac. And, what, and even to this day that Ishmael hates Isaac, the two people groups. And that's some of the conflict that you see in the Middle East. And so Abraham, being the dude that he is, is like, I don't want to deal with it. You deal with it. So now let's drop to verse 6 of Genesis 16. I'm so grateful that God is on the real in his holy scriptures. So Sarah beat her. This woman, the woman of promise, the mother of faith, beat this woman until she ran away. She's pregnant. She's done this. Sarah's done this. Hagar didn't do anything but say, yes, ma'am. And now she's beating on her until she runs away. 
I want you to understand, if you don't trust God and his timing to fulfill his purpose, you will begin to beat on people around you. It's hard to live with someone who was full of fear about what God said he was going to do. It hadn't happened. I don't understand. My life sucks. I thought by now, I'm 45 years old. I thought by now we'd have some nice things and we're still, I'm still, we're still living at your parents. It is, but you made dumb decisions, bro. Let's back up 15 years ago. Well, yeah, but I thought it was the Lord. No, you didn't. You did that for yourself. Don't blame it on the Lord. And I can't tell you how much of the mess that we find ourselves in, that we're all praying about on Sundays, is the result of our bad decisions and our insecurity that came from our lack of trusting God. And so we find ourselves in these moments, in these situations, where we're frustrated, and then we begin to blame those around us, and then we begin to beat on the very ones that we should be loving on, and we should be having grace on. And we beat on them and make their life tough. And then we wonder why they ran away. Enough said about that. Let us move on because I'm feeling depressed right now too. <laughs> Can I give you what the word of the Lord is for that whole concept? If you're struggling to trust the Lord in his timing and power, purpose, word of the Lord to you is be still and know that I am God. That's his holy scripture. Be still. When you were a kid, did your mom and daddy ever just say, be still? Like, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Be still. Be still. Be still. The word of God says. He says it like this to us, be still and know that I am God. Is God for you? Does he love you? Does he have a plan for you? A plan to prosper you? A plan to take care of you? Then be still and know that he's God in your life. And you don't have to do it in your own strength. You say, but what if it's bad? What if I go through hard times? You will go through hard times. Because it's working maturity in you. And it's developing trust in you. Are you with me? Say yes. You don't, none of these super athletes that we all love to watch play these sports just popped out of the womb as a super athlete. They go through training. They sweat. They tear the muscles and rebuild the muscles stronger. They're, they, they tear ankles out, knees out, and they recover from those injuries. You and I have to become men and women of faith and trust our God that he will accomplish what he said he was going to accomplish. Here's the third big trust point for Sarah and for all of us and that is she had to learn to trust his ability to do miracles so at 75 she tries to do it in her own strength she messes everything up so I think at that point she kind of just gave up and said whatever I'm just gonna leave it alone and then one day God shows up at their house and let's pick up there in Genesis chapter 18 God shows up at their house and he says and the Lord said Genesis 18 10 then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent. <laughs> she was in, she was, had her ear to the, to the door. Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Verse 11, Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. Verse 12. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? <laughs> I don't think so. Verse 13. Now, 
picture this. God and Abraham. Jesus has come in the flesh with two angels. They're about to go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, but they stop by Abraham to just talk with him, hang out a little bit with him. So the Lord says to Abraham, by the way, your wife, when I come back next year, she will have had a child. As they're talking, she's over here behind the door, the veil of the tent, and she goes, <laughs> somebody crazy over on the other side of that door. And then look what the Lord says. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. So at this point, he's like, oh, she did? Um, hmm. Uh, Sarah! And she kind of steps over. Sarah, the Lord wants to know why you laugh. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. This woman is 89 years old right now. Aren't you grateful that the woman of faith took years to learn faith? Aren't you grateful looking at the life of Sarah, one of the greatest women of God in all of Scripture, had to journey through trusting and learning to trust? Doesn't that give you a little bit of hope in yourself? Come on, aren't you glad that God is not giving up on you? And he look, aren't you glad that he didn't go, Sarah, you're fried? She lied to the Lord. I, I didn't laugh. Like a little kid, like a, like a, like a three-year-old. I, I didn't do it. Uh-uh, I didn't do it. And he goes, yes, you did. And then that's it. He walks off. <laughs> He's like, yes, you did. And he walks off. And then guess what happens? At 90 years young, think about your grandma for a second. 90 years young, she gives birth to Isaac. 90, let's let that sink for a second. I want you to think about her AARP card. I want you to think about her discount at McDonald's as a senior. I want you to think about her getting in and out of the minivan. (laughs) First she has to get her walker, then she has to unhook the baby seat. Come on, somebody. (laughs) And take the carrier and try to strap it into the stroller. Are you tracking with me? She has had a baby at 90 years young. And I don't want to pick up there in verse 6 of Genesis chapter 21. And Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. She added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him as a son in his old age. I have borne him a son in his old age. Two times that she laughs. Once she laughs mocking what God said would happen. And the next time she laughs in the marvel that it has transpired. You may be laughing right now that that ain't going to happen. But I want you to know the Lord enjoys seeing you laugh. That he brought about the miracle in your life that you never thought could happen. You have to learn to trust that he works miracles on your behalf. He's worked miracles in my life. He's worked miracles. You are sitting in the midst of a miracle. This should never be. God did this. God brought us all together. God, your marriage is a miracle. It should not be happening. 
you got so many issues. Your, your, your life is a miracle. You should have been dead 30 years ago. You know what you were doing and how you were doing it. You, you should be in prison. You are a miracle. And if he did it before, why won't he continue to do it? Learn to trust in his miraculous power. He is at work in mine, in your life. And friend, can I tell you the most humiliating thing for us as believers is that we don't trust our God. Friend, can I tell you something? If we learn anything from Sarah, trust may not happen in one engagement with God. You may still have difficulty trusting in one area while you trust him in another. I tell people all the time, listen, after we lost those babies, something broke in me as God dealt with me in the middle of the night out in my backyard. And something supernaturally happened in me when I said, okay, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. And now... As I've traveled around the nations, I have prayed for people who could not have babies, who are having miscarriages. And can I tell you something? There are children around this nation named Cohen, named Mariah, named Adeline. Because as these people have gotten healed from Adam and Jamie praying for their wounds to conceive, praying for their babies to not die in the womb, that God has given them miracles. They've been healed as Adam and Jamie have through our pain. Through our brokenness, it has now become a strength to help others. If we pray for, if I pray for you to have babies, if I pray for you to stop having miscarriages, you got, you're going to get healed. If I pray for you because you got, you know, the flu or something, 50-50 chance. I mean, it's just like, you know. But there's this special divine connection to trusting God in that area because I had to go through it. Are you tracking with me? We had to go through it. And there are children around this nation named after my children because people have gotten healed as we prayed for them and they've been able to have babies. And I get emails all the time. Ten years ago, you prayed for me. I just want to show you a picture of little Cohen. I, I, you know, Twelve years ago, you prayed for us and I want to show you a picture of little Mariah. Like, whoa, are you kidding me? Wow. They'll send them to me all the time. It happens once or twice a year, like blown away. Like I didn't even realize I was praying for that many people so that they stop having miscarriages and be healed and give birth to children even in their old age. It's been supernatural. Can I tell you something? She is the woman of faith. She's the mama of faith. She's the mama of trust, but she had to go through mistrust to become a woman of trust. You and I have some mistrust. We have some misguidances with God. We're not really sure. We think, yeah, he can take care of my finances, but can he take care of my kids? Yeah, he can take care. I know he's really good about this, but is he okay with it? Can he do this? And friend, can I tell you, he can be trusted in all things. In all things, he's got your best interest in mind. And I promise you, as you learn to trust, you will become a man or woman of trust. As you go through mistrust, you will become a man or woman of faith. And they'll write stories about you 100 years from now. They'll talk about you in the heavenly hallways. Because you know what? You went through it, not went around it. You learn to trust in the midst of your pain. You learn to trust in the midst of your insecurities. You learn to trust in the middle of your fears. But friend, it is time to step up and say, you know what? I'm tired and sick and tired of being full of fear. I'm sick and tired of not believing God's got my best interest in mind, and I make a decision today. I will trust the Lord with all of my heart. I will lean not to my own understanding. In all my ways, I will acknowledge him, and he will direct my path. Are you with me today? Say yes. Come on, stand.